The Apostle Paul's desire for the Colossians was that they were rooted and built up in Christ and established in the faith. Is your faith in Jesus Christ deeply rooted? A deeply rooted faith in Christ will steady you in trials, sustain you in difficult seasons, and nourish your spiritual growth. It will also protect your mind against those who desire to kidnap your thoughts with worldly philosophies and deceitful human traditions, like secular humanism, moral relativism, Darwinian evolution, and the sexual revolution. One way to grow the deep roots of faith is to embrace your new identity in Christ, which words like complete, sanctified, alive, acquitted, and victorious describe. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. As a believer in Christ, you are hidden in Christ. But have you ever thought about what that means? Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, all of us who are hidden in Christ have been set free from the wages of sin, which is eternal death. But as you'll see today, this relationship with Jesus is not limited to the hereafter. It includes the here and now. Stay right here or listen on demand from our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Ron and part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Deep Roots of Your Faith. You're complete in Christ. You're sanctified in Christ. Thirdly, that you are alive in Christ. Paul goes on in verse 12, he says, having been buried with him in baptism. Now he goes from circumcision to baptism, uh, both that are physical acts with a spiritual reality pictured in them. You've been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, he's writing to Christians here, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am alive in Christ. That's what Paul wants us to know. This, this is part of what shapes our identity in Christ. Now, if you can say as a believer in Jesus, I am alive in Christ, being made alive in Christ presupposes you were previously dead. And this is what Paul is getting at when he says, and you who were, past tense, dead in your trespasses and sins. Okay? Let's talk about that a moment. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he says the same thing. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You see, there, there are really two aspects to us. There's a physical you and there's a spiritual you. We like to think of ourselves as physical beings that, oh, we kind of have a spiritual side. That's why we go to church. That's why we read our Bible. We have the spiritual side to us. That's actually not a biblical view. We are spiritual beings that were created for eternity. We happen to be living in these physical tents called a body right now, but it's not our final resting place, right? 
and one day we will have glorified bodies. But that spiritual side of us was created to live forever. But we are born into this world spiritually dead but physically alive, all right? Follow me here. We are born into sin. We were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's, that means when we arrived in this world, in one sense, we were dead on arrival. That part of us that was created to have a relationship with God was dead. We were physically alive. We knew that because the baby is screaming and, you know, crying and all that, and that's a good thing in the, in the delivery room. But that, that baby is spiritually dead, born into sin. This is why Jesus said to a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a religious man. If anybody was right with God, according to the Jews in the first century, it was a Pharisee. But Jesus looked at this religious man and said, you must be born again. And he didn't understand that. He says, how does a man climb back into his mother's womb? And Jesus had to explain the physical world and the spiritual world, that you can be physically alive and very much alive, but spiritually dead at the same time. By the way, that's the definition of a zombie. <laughs> All right? Paul is writing to these believers in Jesus, and he says, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God made you alive together with him. He brought to life that which was dead in you. And he draws upon the picture of baptism to illustrate this. Baptism doesn't accomplish our salvation. It doesn't make anybody alive, but it illustrates the spiritual reality. Just like circumcision illustrated a spiritual reality, so baptism illustrates a spiritual reality. We're baptizing a number of people this afternoon at the beach. I hope you can join us there. It's our annual beach baptism. And we give um, all of our baptism candidates you know, a T-shirt, and they have certain words on them, uh, like, like one is forgiven. Another of these T-shirts says alive. Because when we baptize somebody, we say buried with Christ unto death. They go down into the water rise again to new life. It is, it is a gospel presentation, a sermon, if you will, and it pictures a spiritual reality. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins, and through baptism we identify with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are alive in Christ. You're no longer physically alive and spiritually dead, but you're spiritually alive and physically alive. Somebody once said, born once, die twice. That's true. If you're born into this world spiritually dead, but physically alive, and you die, the Bible says you'll die a second time. It's called the second death, and that's eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Or in this life, you can be born twice and die once. And if Jesus Christ comes before you die, you'll, you won't die at all, right? That, that's the best deal of all things. Born twice, born physically, born again through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are alive in Christ and eternally you will live with him in a place called heaven. So you're complete in Christ, you're sanctified in Christ, you are alive in Christ. Fourthly, you're acquitted in Christ. 
I'm intentionally using a legal term, and here's why. Read on in verse 13. Having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. There's a lot going on in this verse. But uh, one of the other T-shirts you'll see at our baptisms is, is one that says, Forgiven. Forgiven, because the Bible says, having been buried with him in baptism, it goes on to say, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And Paul goes on to define those trespasses as a record of debt. He's kind of mixing his legal and financial, you know, analogy here. But there was a record of debt against you and me. When we were spiritually dead, a record of sin debt, piled up, I say, higher than a Montana sky. It was a debt so high, you, you, you couldn't even come close to paying it off. Oh, you try with your own good works and you hope that your good works satisfy, you know, holy and righteous God, but the Lord said, listen, <laughs> you ain't got enough to pay off this sin debt, so quit trying. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, The Deep Roots of Your Faith. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry. We depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel through these radio and internet broadcasts. And when you give this month, we have an important resource to share with you. Here's Ron with more. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. Pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience? And what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. 
Uh, my relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a, a bird's eye view of the major themes of each book showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org and request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Deep Roots of Your Faith. And Paul says that debt, that record of sin debt was canceled out. Now, he did it in a way that God was both just and merciful and loving all at the same time. Suppose you had a debt, a debt you couldn't pay. And uh, the person to whom you were in debt just said, ah, I just waive it, I forgive it, never mind. Okay? There's no justice in that. Because somebody was wronged by the debt you piled up, and justice needed to be served. You know, if somebody... Uh, uh, well, the, the debt or the wrong against society, if that is just waived. But what about the victims? What about the victims? There's no justice served. That's not what, G, what Paul is talking about here. God didn't just say, abracadabra, your debt is canceled. He paid the debt you couldn't pay. How did he pay that? Through the death of his son on the cross. You see, somebody had to pay the debt that was so high that nobody could pay it off, and that person is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus paid your sin debt and my sin debt through his blood on the cross, God was just, justice was done, but he was merciful and loving at the same time because he could then turn and say, okay, now you're, now you're set free. Your debt is canceled, not because of anything you did, not because I said abracadabra, you know, no big deal about all your sin. No, but because my son paid the sin debt. That's how our sins and our trespasses are forgiven. You see, there was a legal requirement that went along with the sin debt, and that legal requirement was death. That was the legal demand of the law. Somebody had to die because the wages of sin is death. Romans says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He did all of this, Paul says, by nailing it to the cross. And so you and I are acquitted in Christ. Isn't that good news? We're complete, we're sanctified, we're alive, we're acquitted, finally we're victorious in Christ. Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him in Christ. Uh, this describes what happened at the cross of Christ and the victory that was won in Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, it was a cry of victory. He didn't say, I'm finished. They got me. <laughs> That's the world's view of the cross. Oh, the sad ending to a good life, those mean 
religious people and the Roman, they got him, they got him. We got him. No, you didn't get him. No, he's saying, it is finished. It's the shout of victory. Victory was won at the cross, and Paul has three victories in mind here. He says, first of all, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. He stripped bare of all, all that is uh, of the devil and his demons, stripped him bare of all his weapons. Now, the devil will make you think he has an armory that he can fire against you and me, but, but those weapons don't mean anything unless we give them power. Jesus disarmed the devil, took all of his weapons away. Also, he says he put them to open shame. What does that mean? Well, he exposed the devil for who he really is. He's a liar and a thief and a murderer. And any time you see lying and thievering and murder in our world today, in this fallen world in which we live, uh, make no mistake about it. You'll see the fingerprints of the devil and his demons right nearby, right nearby. And then he says he triumphed over them in him. It's the picture of something that was called the Roman triumph. When a Roman general uh, went to war and he defeated his enemies, he would bring back his captives and all the spoils of war, and he would parade them through the streets in a victory parade, a triumphal parade. And Paul uses this analogy elsewhere in his letter to the Corinthians to talk about how, how we are overcomers in Christ. We are victors in Christ. To some, that uh, victory parade and that triumphal parade uh, left behind the stench of death. To others, it was the smell of victory. And to we who are in Christ, we are victorious in Christ. So, so don't walk around with your, your shoulders all slumped down like, you know, you're defeated and it's another Eeyore day. No, you're complete in Christ. You're sanctified and set apart for a holy purpose in Him. You're alive in Christ. You're acquitted of all the trespasses and sins that you had piled up, and you're victorious in Jesus Christ. We're talking about, in case you forgot where we were going, building deep roots in our faith because the storms are coming. Uh, the difficult times are maybe upon you or right around the corner, and you don't want to be a tumbleweed. You don't want to be a, a wah-wah baby. All right? You, you want to be mature in Christ with deep, deep roots in your faith. Maybe you're here this morning, and you don't have deep roots in your faith because, quite frankly, you're planted in the wrong soil, the soil of something that is not of Christ. We're talking about developing deep roots in your faith in Jesus who is the Christ. That's the starting point, maybe for some of you, to say, you know, I, I, I've, been, I've been watering and fertilizing that which is not of Christ, and I don't really like what I'm growing. I'm growing a bunch of weeds over here in my life, and it isn't working for me. And it's time to, to plant your roots in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's maybe where some of you need to begin to recognize that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Maybe you got a life that looks like those bushes <laughs> that I planted in the backyard that three days later they were all wilted and dying on the vine. That's what it looks like to be dead in Christ, or dead rather in your sins. But to be alive in Christ, it starts by planting your faith in Jesus Christ 
and what he did for you on the cross, validated by his resurrection. And that's a starting point, but don't stop there. Decide to be mature in Christ. Decide not to be a tumbleweed anymore. Decide not to be a, a baby, baby, wah, 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 and your spiritual diapers and your spiritual pacifier. And along the way, don't let anybody kidnap your thoughts. Go deep enough to understand what is of Christ and what is not. Because the God of this world, the devil himself, has philosophies and world systems and worldviews that are not of Christ that are kidnapping the thoughts of generations and generations to come. But you as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know who you are in Christ. You're complete in Him. You're sanctified in Him. And you're alive in Christ. You're acquitted in Christ. You're victorious in Christ. And you're not going to be blown by every wind of doctrine and philosophy and plausible argument that comes your way because you know what is of Christ and what is not of Christ. And you've made a decision today. I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to mature in Christ. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, The Deep Roots of Your Faith. Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, a moment ago, you mentioned this idea of planting yourself in the right kind of soil. Let's talk a little more about what that means and how we can go about making sure we plant ourselves in the right place. Thanks, Brian. I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8 to begin with because it paints a beautiful picture of what I'm talking about. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and shall not see when heat comes, but its leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Now, that's the kind of deep roots we should all want in our lives, where no amount of tough times, uh, no amount of bad weather in our lives, so to speak, can prevent us from bearing fruit or from living the abundant, joyful life God wants us to have. That's what maturity in Christ looks like. And as I said earlier, it all begins with a decision, a conscious choice to place your hope and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And that's where we sometimes get into trouble, isn't it? We put our hope and trust in all the wrong things or, or even in people, maybe in our jobs, in our husbands or wives, in our kids, in our financial position. And when we do that, we're setting ourselves up for a real roller coaster of a time because things and people will always let us down. And yes, we ourselves will let them down too sometimes. If we're planted in that kind of soil, if we build our foundation on sand, as it were, we'll get ourselves into some real trouble. Now, let me close with this because I can hear some of our listeners asking, what practical steps do I take to make sure I'm firmly and deeply planted in God? And the answer is, well, first of all, saturate yourself in His Word because that's where He speaks truth into your life. Spend time in prayer because that's where you get to know Him in ways you may not otherwise and you develop a deeper intimacy with Him. Don't forget to get connected in a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, soul-winning, disciple-making church where you're following hard after Christ while you're connected in community with others who are doing the same. And finally, live life the way Jesus asks you to live, the way he commands you to live, because that's when the blessings he longs to give you begin coming your way. Uh, this is what it means to plant yourself in the right kind of soil. It's easier said than done, for sure. 
But if we'll set our minds on it, it is a far easier way of life than the alternative. Great answer, Ron. Thanks for sharing those final thoughts from today's message, The Deep Roots of Your Faith. Now, before we sign off, what can you tell us about tomorrow's message as you move ahead in your series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than? Brian, today I talked about the deep roots of your faith, which is a choice we make to plant ourselves in the right soil. Tomorrow I'm going to get into what I call the real substance of your faith, which is what it looks like or what it produces when your faith is deeply planted in the right soil. So for the next couple of days, I'm going to talk about what that kind of faith looks like, and I'll also cover some of the most common threats to the real substance of your faith. Threats that sometimes keep us in the shallow end of the pool instead of diving into the deep waters of true Christian maturity. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Real Substance of Your Faith. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.